You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Good morning. Good. Can you hear me now? Hey, and the, can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Hold on, guys. We're having. Can you hear me now? Can can do we need help in the back, guys? Can you can you hear me now? Is there anything worse than bad cell coverage? How many of you guys have said the words that have been immortalized in Verizon commercials? Have you? Can you hear me now? Man, is there anything worse? How many bars do you have? How many G's? What's your signal? There is nothing worse than bad cell signal. I remember when I first moved to the shore and I was talking to a friend on the phone, and after the third time of hanging up and trying to restart the call, he said, did you move across the planet or across the country? I don't understand why it's so hard to hear you. You guys know what it's like when you're trying to communicate with someone and you just catch every other word, right? And so what do you do in that moment? You, you, you notice you, you speak slower. What I'm saying, you speak slower, you speak louder, as if you can like overshout the bad cell coverage, right? Can you hear me now? And then eventually you just go, it's not worth it. Press the button and you hang up. How many of you hate when you can't hear somebody on the phone, Right? And so this week I was thinking about that, not only because I dropped more than a few calls, but also because as I read my Bible this week, as I I dove into this passage, I couldn't help but wonder, if God were to speak to humanity from heaven, do you think he would have enough bars? If God were to try to communicate with planet Earth, if he wanted to talk to human beings like us in our situation, Would we have enough cell coverage to hear him? It almost sounds like a riddle, right? How loud would God need to speak from heaven if we here on earth were to hear him? Friends, God has sent a message to earth. God, we believe that he is the creator of the universe. And no, he is not the the clock-making God. He didn't simply wind up creation, step aside and say, good luck with that, next. You see, God speaks to his people. God speaks to humanity. And the only question that he has for us this morning is, can you hear me now? Friends, God is speaking. Can you hear him? Are your ears opened? Do you have enough bars? Do you have enough G's on the spiritual phones of your heart to hear what God would say to you, not just this morning, but for your life? Can you hear him now? Well, we're about to find out. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for this? Mark chapter 7. I'm going to ask you to turn there in verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Let me read our story to you this morning, and then we'll go back through verse by verse and break it down. Here we go. This is God's word for his church this morning, beginning in verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre, And went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. 
And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephpatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. Father, as we open up your word, would you open up our ears? May we hear you this morning, Lord. Speak to us. Would you challenge us? Show us who you are, Father. Show us the beauty of your son, Jesus. And may we leave from here different, Lord. Make us more like Jesus, we pray. And we pray this in his precious name. And the church said, amen. Amen. All right, let's go back to the top. Let's look at our story here. Verse 31, it says this, speaking of Jesus. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Let's pause there. Jesus is still abroad. Jesus is still traveling outside of Israel, and he finds himself in a region that's called the Decapolis. Ten cities. That's kind of what this region is. And so if you recall last week, we saw Israel is here, right? Jerusalem is in the southern region. Samaria, we're going to get here in several weeks. The good Samaritan is in the middle. And then Galilee, this is where Jesus had most of his ministry, around the lake. And so last week he left and he went up to Tyre. And we learned about a woman whose resume was less than impressive. And so this week, Mark tells us that he keeps going into this region. He goes up to Sidon, and he kind of takes this horseshoe route, and he ends up all the way down here on the other side of the lake called the Decapolis in this region. So friends, he is still, yet again, in another Gentile region, far from home among those who are far from God. And so here he is in the Decapolis, and we see here a man who is experiencing firsthand the pain of a fallen world. We're about to be introduced to a man, friends, that if you were to walk a mile in his shoes, it still wouldn't even be enough to scratch the surface on the pain that he is experiencing, the brokenness of living in this world. And so we find out his circumstances here. There's a man here who, he was deaf couldn't hear anything. As a result of his inability to hear, we see that there's a secondary problem that he also has a speech impediment. Not quite mute, it's not that his voice box doesn't work, but his ability to articulate correctly is hampered. His inability to hear is no doubt affecting his ability to speak. And so here is the main character of our scene this morning. And so we've seen people for weeks now, we have seen people come to Jesus, have we not? People hear of Jesus and they come to him. And we go, all right, here's another person coming to Jesus. No, 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 read it carefully. He doesn't come to Jesus. 
It says it here. He was brought to Jesus. We know that he's deaf and mute, friends. We know what he's dealing with here. But now we get a glimpse into how this is not just a physical ailment. It's a social one. He's kind of dragged along, isn't he? He's unable to come on his own. How long has this deaf and mute man lived needing to be spoken for? How long has it been since he expressed his own opinion? How long has it been since he was asked for his opinion? We're reminded here that he is unable to speak for himself. And so they bring him, and what do they do? They beg him. They beg Jesus on his behalf. Because this man is not only deaf and mute, he's not even able to communicate with Jesus Christ himself. This is what this man is dealing with. He is unable to hear God's Savior for himself. Sound familiar yet? You see, friends, in the book of Mark, you know this by now, that Mark is showing us real people with real needs who come in contact with Jesus because all of these people are like visual aids. These people are walking illustrations that highlight the nature and the depth of our needs. And you see, as this man comes forward, as he is brought forward, Mark is showing us a picture of a fundamental need of humanity, that we are born spiritually deaf. You see, friends, we are born, even though we were created, like Adam and Eve, even though we were created to walk with God, to hear from our Creator daily, we were created to be in a relationship in the garden where His words were like our daily bread. And even though we were created to live like that, sin has broken our world. Sin has caused us to be born spiritually death. Friends, we may have ears. We may be born with ears, but they are born closed to God. We are unable to hear him, unaware of just how near he is. This is us. And not only can we not hear him, but we, like this man, we're also born with a, like a spiritual speech impediment, are we? Our tongues do not work the way that they were created to work. Namely, to articulate adoration, and to pronounce praise of our Creator. Like this man, we are unable to communicate with God in this state. So we pause there. We see a deaf man with a speech impediment, and we pause to realize that Mark is saying, you are like those, friends, no offense, But you are like those who Isaiah talks about in chapter 43. He says, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. That's us. We have ears, but we're not hearing God. We have eyes, but we're not seeing God. And so in this scene, I pause here because in this scene, Mark, in a a poetic and creative way, he is already lifting the veil so that we can better understand not only the nature of Jesus, but also the nature of our own conditions. 
We are deaf. We are deaf, okay? And so, in this scene, Mark is reminding us, he is teaching us that Jesus has come for the spiritually deaf and mute. Jesus has come for the spiritually deaf and mute. And so that would be a bummer of a spot to, to stop the message, right? If Mark ended the story there, you'd be like, thanks a lot. But no, there's more. Look how Jesus interacts with this man. Now that we understand, now that we see ourselves in this man, let's keep going and we see what happens next. Verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephpatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. The second thing we see here, Jesus' compassion leads to a demonstration of his power. Jesus' compassion for the man leads to a demonstration of his power. And so we see here that he removes this man from the crowd. Remember, this is a guy who is used to being spoken for. This is a man here in our story. He is used to people around him speaking above him or even speaking about him as if he's not even there. He's used to being a spectacle. This man is used to being at the center of uncomfortable attention. But look what Jesus does. He removes him from the crowd. In a move of incredible tact, in a move of tremendous compassion and sensitivity, he pulls him out of the crowd, he pulls him from the middle, and he says, I'm going to speak to you privately. This is a man who is used to having other people speak for him and advocate for him and talk about him. And yet Jesus takes him aside as if to say, I want to communicate with you directly. I know you're deaf. I know other people don't want to talk to you directly. I do. Come here. And he pulls him aside. And so Jesus is speaking with actions so loudly that even a deaf person can hear him. Jesus' actions are screaming, I see you. Your weaknesses and your inabilities do not deter me. You are a person who is made in the image of God, and so I will speak to you directly, for, after all, this is why you were created. Let's take a walk. And so this man goes on a one-on-one -on -one walk for a conversation and he says, I can't remember the last time I've been invited to go on a walk and talk. You see, friends, Jesus knows you better than you probably would prefer. Right? Man, Jesus loves me. Yeah, he loves you, and he knows you. And he still loves you. That's what makes it amazing. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your weakness. He knows the full extent of your inabilities and your wounds. He knows your sins and your failures. He knows your handicaps and your quirks. And those don't for a moment keep him from stepping into your life and dealing with you directly. 
You see, friends, there are things in your life that cause other people to repel from you. But those very things cause Jesus to push toward you. There are things in your life that people look at and they go, I'm going to give her a wide berth because I can't deal with that. There are things in your life that, that other people say, man, he is just too much for me. And yet here we learn that Jesus doesn't ignore us. He tunes into us. Here we see a picture of Jesus that shows us he is a compassionate and loving Savior. He is near to the lowly. He is the friend of sinners. This is Jesus. And so he says, let's take a walk. Come on, man, let's go for a walk. And so he grabs him by the hand. He pulls him away from the crowd. And he starts to communicate with him. Now remember, Jesus can heal this man without a word. Right? I mean, we've seen this before. Jesus doesn't even need to be in the same city as the man. He doesn't need to speak. He doesn't need to touch. He can simply will it, and poof, it's done. And yet, he's going to do all of those things. Why? Because he's communicating silently with this man. Jesus wants to communicate with this man. The man's deaf, and so he can't engage in a monologue. He can't communicate with him by asking him questions about his past or getting to know his story. He communicates in the only way that he can with a person who is deaf. He touched him. He put his fingers in his ears as if to say, it's broken here, isn't it? He then reaches down and, and he touches his tongue as if to say, it's broken here, isn't it? This is where the pain is, isn't it? These are the broken parts. And he's showing the man, I know what's broken. I know where it hurts. I know the areas of your life where it's deficient. And these are the exact areas that I'm going to touch. These are the exact areas where I'm going to direct my healing power. He's communicating to the man silently. Friends, if Jesus were to stand before you right now, what are the parts of your life where you would want him to touch and him to say, it's broken here, isn't it? What are the parts of your life that if you were standing before Jesus and he pulled you aside from the crowd, you would want him to touch and say, this is where I'm going to direct my healing power. I see what's broken. I see where the pain is. I see where it's deficient, but I'm not repelled by those. I'm not disgusted by those. I will touch those and direct my healing power. Where would you want Jesus to touch, friends? Where does it hurt? And so Jesus, he puts his hands directly on those areas. Thank you, Lord. Somebody has to, right? And so he touches the man. But he doesn't only touch the man, does he? He doesn't only touch his ears. He doesn't only touch his tongue. It says he spit first. I'm pleased to announce that this week, in addition to our foot washing ceremonies in your local community group, we're introducing a new tradition. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to be there this week, right? <laughs> Man, we just want to follow Jesus' example, right? We are the hands and feet 
and fingers of Jesus. What in the world is happening here, right? I don't know. Let's just keep going. No, right? We can't skip the hard parts. Like, this is why we go line by line through the Bible, because we cannot avoid weird things. The Bible is living and active, and it demands that we deal with it. And so what do we do when we're confused? We read it in context. That's number one. And so when you read it in the larger section of Scripture, you go, wait a minute. He doesn't just do this once. He does this twice. He's going to do it again in just a few weeks. This time, he spits and touches someone's tongue. In a few weeks, he's going to spit and touch someone's eyes. And so we have to ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? What is going on? Let's, let's break it down. First of all, you have to remember, Jesus didn't need to do any of these things to heal. Do we agree on that? Jesus didn't need to touch. He didn't need to spit. He didn't need to say anything. Jesus doesn't need magic. So whatever this is, this is not magic, okay? He is doing all of these things for the man's benefit. Remember, he is communicating silently. All of these actions are symbolic silent forms of communication for a man who can't hear him. So what is Jesus communicating? Here's what's going on here, friends. I know it sounds weird to us because we have our, our uh, hand sanitizer pumps in the car. I'm surrounded with them in my, in my home. You know what I mean? We just, we, we're, right? We got masks on. There's no masks in Jesus' day, right? What is happening here? I know it's weird, but listen. It's as if he's anointing the part of his body that needs healing. Stick with me. It's as if Jesus is anointing the parts that are broken. But here's what's crazy. Rather than anointing the way that doctors did, rather than anointing the man's tongue, rather than anointing the man's ears with medicine, rather than anointing with a salve or with an oil, Jesus is anointing him in a way that shows him that the source of your healing is me. The source of your healing is not some medicine from the cabinet. It's not from salve from the pharmacy. I am the source of your healing. Jesus is the medicine. Jesus is the healing. He is the source by which broken things are made whole. This is an anointing. This is an anointing. We're going to see him in a few weeks. Like I said, he's going to not only anoint somebody's tongue, he's also anointing eyes to show I am the one. The source of power is me, my substance. I make things whole. It's powerful. And so this deaf man, remember, he can't hear anything, but he has a front row seat of what Jesus is talking about right now. And so he touches him, showing him, I'm your healing. Look what else he does here. Looking up to heaven. He looks up to his father. We haven't seen him do that in any other healing. And this story, actually, uh, you'll notice this is unique. None of the other Gospels have this story. And so Mark, when you see these unique details, you tune in, you go, why is he saying that? Because he's communicating silently to the man. And so it's as if he's showing the man, here's the source of my authority. I'm from up there. This is where I have come from. He looks to his father in acknowledgement of where his power and authority are from. And then look at what else he communicates. Oh, and he sighs. 
He's communicating to us. He's communicating to the man a longing. You can hear in his sigh this aching and this yearning and this longing for the kingdom of brokenness to once, to, to once and forever finally give way to the kingdom of heaven. Oh, how much longer, Lord? How much longer, Father, will they live in this broken kingdom? How much longer will they be, uh, will they be um, exposed to brokenness and sin of a fallen world? And in that sigh, we realize that this man's pain has pricked Jesus' compassion. You feel for him. He feels for you, friend. He doesn't roll his eyes in exasperation at your pain. He sighs deeply in empathy and compassion. He is a compassionate Savior. So he looks up. He sighs. He looks back down. And he speaks. Ephatha. Be open. Aramaic here, right? He says, be open to the man. And what did the man hear when he said that? Nothing. Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? He can't hear you. Why, why say anything to him? Mark, he can't, he can't hear him. Why even capture that detail in the story? And you realize, friends, it's because he's not speaking to the man. He's speaking to the ears. And he says, be open. Friends, this is the same Jesus who with a word calmed the wind and the waves. This is the same Jesus who with a word, he commanded a legion of demons to flee. This is the same Jesus who with a word sent the leper home clean. With a word, he pronounced the sins of the paralytic forgiven. And yet again, he speaks. And at his word, even the human body bends and conforms in obedience to his will. It says here that he spoke and the ears were opened. This is a Jesus who speaks and it says his tongue was released. If you look at the Greek there, it's actually much more graphic. It says the chains of his tongue were untied. What a beautiful picture. When Jesus speaks, things are set free. Friends, I don't know how big your Jesus is this morning, but I can promise you this, it is not big enough. Friends, I don't know how much you tremble in awe at the ruling power of Jesus, but I promise you what Mark is saying, that your view of Jesus' power is not even scratching the surface. We have already seen in the book of Mark a lot of begging. Lots of begging happening in these miracles. But Jesus is never the one doing the begging. Jesus speaks. Jesus commands. He wills it and it is done. Friends, this is God's king. This is Jesus who rules and reigns over all the universe. And every single human being will one day bow the knee either in this life or in the life to come. Jesus has been given a name that is above every name and every tongue in heaven and on earth and under the earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not a matter of if they'll acknowledge him, it's just when. 
in this lifetime or in the life to come? Do you see Jesus' power, friends? Are you still worshiping a Jesus who has a bobblehead and fits on your dashboard that you rub for some good luck every once in a while? Are you still following a Jesus who can fit on the beads in your pocket and when you need a little bit of good luck, you can take them out and rub them and utter a few prayers? Or are you worshiping a Jesus who by his very will holds the universe together? This is a Jesus who because of his will, every molecule is tied together and if he were to stop willing it, everything would collapse. Do you see Jesus' power? Do you wonder at and tremble before King Jesus who will one day silence the raging of the nations with a moment's whisper? Do you see his power? Colossians chapter 1, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is our king who speaks and our physical bodies respond. And so the man is deaf. He is sitting on the front row watching the raw power and authority of Jesus at work. He's healed. And so what should he do? What should this community do? What should these people do who just brought their friend and saw a man who had been deaf and mute not only be able to hear but also speak plainly? What should they do? Let's look at our last scene. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. They want to tell the world, yeah! They want to take this show on the road, yeah! They want to spread the fame of Jesus, yes! But he says, shh, don't tell anyone. See, friends, Jesus halts the mission until they get the message. Jesus halts the mission until they get the message. He charges them. He says it clearly. He charged them to tell no one. What? Doesn't Jesus want the world to know? Doesn't Jesus want his fame to increase? Man, if they go now, I bet you everyone in the Decapolis would come back and ask for a miracle. Doesn't he want the word to spread, friends? The answer is yes. Eventually. You see, at this point in the story, they don't fully understand his identity. They don't fully understand the scope of his mission. They definitely don't understand the cost of following Jesus. And so they don't know enough yet to be commissioned as a sent one. Friends, Jesus will send people to go and tell. He will commission his disciples to go all over the globe, but not until they see the big picture. 
Listen, friends, if they go now, the only message they'll share is that Jesus is a miracle worker. If they go now, the extent of their message will be, come to Jesus and he'll make all your problems go away. That's not the message of Jesus. If they go now, they'll just spread the news as if Jesus was a fireworks show. And come see the show. Come see the event. And you'll have a really cool weekend. And that's not the gospel. That's not even the half of it. When Jesus speaks, do universes burst into existence? Yes. Can he do miracles? Yes. Is that why he came? No. Can Jesus heal the sick? Yes. Can he raise the dead? Yes. Can he open the ears of the deaf? Yes. Is that why he came to earth? No. And they won't get it until Easter Sunday. Three gatherings, baby. Easter is coming. They won't get it until Easter. Friends, do we get it? Do we get the message? In this room, Christians, I'm speaking to you, do we as followers of Jesus understand Do we understand that the message is so much more than Jesus is a miracle worker? You see, friends, in this scene, we see Jesus' compassion for one man. But by the time he's done, when he gets to his grand finale on Easter Sunday, we will realize not just his compassion for one man, but his compassion for all of humanity. Eventually, it will become clear that Jesus came to lay down his life. Jesus came so that those who were far from God could be brought near and reconciled to their creator. Eventually, friends, on Easter Sunday, it will become clear that all who want to follow Jesus must carry their own cross and follow him. Eventually, they will realize that the way to life actually leads through death. They will get it eventually. And so when the message becomes clear, then the missionaries can go. Make sense? And so until then, Jesus is trying to pump the brakes. Time out. Slow down. Missionaries will go to the Decapolis soon enough. Soon enough. He tries to pump the brakes. And Mark continually shows us just how impossible it is to do that. It says the more that he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. His fame continues to spread. The same thing that happened in Israel happens in Gentile country as well. They can't help but tell. They cannot help but tell the story. And so listen to the way, tune in here for the last verse, listen to the way that Mark summarizes their proclamation. Listen to what he says here. He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. One more time. He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. It almost sounds poetic, doesn't it? Like that, that sounds like such a, such a neat and articulate way to describe these people running through their village. It sounds poetic. And as you read it a few times, as you listen to it, you realize he's not, he's not just summarizing their words. He's, he's quoting something here. This has the ring of a quotation. And you realize that he is not just summarizing. He is quoting, once again, Isaiah. You see, Isaiah 35 also puts something very poetically. 
Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Isaiah 35, verse 4, talks of a day where God himself will step out of heaven and touch down on earth. God will intervene and interrupt in human history to save humanity. That's what verse 4 is saying. He will come to save you. And we're all here going, how do I know when verse 4 is here? What will be the sign that God himself has arrived to say us? How will I know that God has come to do what he said he would do? Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Do you see, friends, this is so much more than one deaf man hearing. Mark is saying through this miracle, God is here. Mark is saying in this scene, hey, the deaf are hearing, the mute are singing, even among the Gentiles. Hey, pay attention, the spiritual wastelands and deserts are being transformed into an oasis of peace. That can only mean one thing, God has stepped into and onto the scene. Do you hear it, friends? Do you hear what this miracle means for us? Yes, these miracles are no doubt changing the lives of these individuals, but they're also statements. They're also visual aids of something so much bigger. This is the nature of Jesus' mission. This is why he came. Jesus came to those who are far from God. Jesus came to the spiritually deaf, those who were deaf to their creator. And as a result of his intervention, as a result of his arrival, those who were deaf can now hear God loud and clear. You see, this miracle is lifting the veil. This miracle is giving us a glimpse into exactly what Jesus came to do. This miracle shows us that Jesus came so the deaf could hear God. Jesus came so that the deaf could hear God. Friend, do you want to hear God? Do you want to hear your creator speak to your soul? Is there anyone here who wonders about the afterlife and what's out there, and I wonder if there's anything bigger than us. If you want to know for sure that there is something bigger than you, if you want to know for sure that there is a creator who gives purpose to your lives, good news, he has spoken. Hebrews 1 says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. A long time ago, God spoke by sending godly godly men. But, pivot, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God is speaking. And he speaks perfectly by sending his word, his perfect message, which is Jesus Christ, the perfect communication from God to humanity. You see, friends, in the arrival of Jesus, we can hear God speaking loud and clear. And this is what he says through Jesus. 
I'm here. I am intervening in human history. What is broken and marred by sin will once again be made whole. The deserts will become springs. Death will give way to life. Where death and sin reigned and brokenness is great, my grace, mercy, and compassion are greater. He is saying in the person of Jesus, my kingdom is here. Now follow my king. Do you hear him, friends? Do you want to hear him? Then come to Jesus. Let him open your spiritual ears. Can you hear him now? Can you hear me now? You should. Because Jesus came so the deaf could hear God. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you, Father, that you see us in our brokenness, you see us in our frailty, and you have responded by intervening on our behalf. You have sent Jesus, Lord, not just to, to heal us of our physical ailments. Lord, you sent Jesus to save our souls, to, to open our ears spiritually so that we can hear the Father. And so, Father, I ask, number one, that you would open all of our ears that we would hear you, that we would hear your call to follow you, and that we would respond. And then number two, Lord, I pray that our ears would stay open. Father, would you keep our hearts soft? Protect us, Father, from the influences of this world that wish to harden our hearts. Help us, Holy Spirit, to continue to hear the perfect word of God in Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for our community, as always, that you would open the ears of those who remain spiritually deaf as we sing the beautiful melody of the gospel. Holy Spirit, would you accompany that song and open their ears so that they can hear their creator and speak plainly as they rejoice and sing his praises. We love you, Father. We hear you, and we will obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.